Are you saying that uh, you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either, so either, either roll an egg or you know, being the, the good, you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a, bro- help a brother out. Make no, some news no, for no, me. No, no, no. Well, I, I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. All right. Well. I don't believe this number of 6% inflation. I think the inflation people are really feeling is is a lot higher than that. And, and wages are still, even after 22 months, falling behind the inflation rate. Well, and just in the last few weeks, Steve, as oil prices have gone up, it, obviously exactly. that's the underlying component of this uh, 40-year high inflation that we're talking about. So I've told him in my lifetime I've never seen the United States of America in a more just war than what this one is. The purpose of America is to defend freedom and basically fight for the democracies that people have a desire to, to live in. And that's what we're doing. And we're in it to win it with them and we'll give them all the support we need. As a matter of fact, as you walk into my office in the, in the Oval Office in the United States Capitol, guess what? You know who founded and designed and built the White House? An Irishman. An Irish. No, not not a joke. Not a joke. And they they left everything. They they left in the dark of night. They left the lights on. They left the dogs. By the way, you know the people they say left about the dogs? the dogs. They left the dogs. Everyone, you know, the dog lovers. And you got a lot of them. I love dogs. You love dogs. But they left the dogs. People said, "What?" One of the first questions I got: What did they do with the dogs? Mostly German shepherds. They left them. And so for all this talk of chaos. I just didn't see it, not from my perch. At one point during the evacuation, there was an aircraft taking off full of people, Americans and Afghans alike, every 48 minutes, and not one single mission was missed. So I'm sorry, I just won't buy the whole argument of chaos. I've been with the company for 24 years. I was posted in Greece for 15. Papandreou wins that election if I don't help the junta take him prisoner. I've advised and armed the Hellenic army. I've neutralized champions of communism. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish, which should come in handy here in Virginia, and I'm never ever sick at sea. So I want to know why I'm not going to be your Helsinki station chief. Your course. Excuse me. Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 128 here on Friday, April 14th. And I am your co-host, Tom Pyle with the American Energy Alliance. And I'm Mike McKenna out here all by myself. (laughs) Mr. McKenna, how was your Easter? How was your holiday? Good. Um, It was kind of disturbing. I learned that my uh, three nieces, Philip, Stephen, and James, um, actually pay attention. Like they, They spent some time online to find out like my TV hits and radio hits and they didn't know about this podcast, but I told them about it. So I imagine they're listening to this. So, All right. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we had a great, great weekend. Beautiful mass uh, pipe organs going. It was uh, real nice. Uh, they had like a nice choir. Uh, made myself a my rotisseried a lamb leg this year. First time I've ever done that. A little overdone. Really? Slightly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to take it off at like 126 or 125 next time. But it was nonetheless a, a wonderful time with my sister and her significant other. You're kidding me. Yep. And we we, we had a lovely weekend. So that was uh, my Easter. Well, good. I'm sorry so, about the significant other. So Biden's rolling eggs. <laughs> oh, boy. The, I don't roll. Was he rolling them or he's what was he, the other thing? He was uh, flipping them, pushing yeah. them out, now rolling uh, eggs and pushing them out. <laughs> just, just, oh, okay, yeah, man. Just I don't worse. even know how to respond to that. I just don't. Well, it's, you know. Something else. Yeah, well, I'll be rolling eggs or push them out. I don't know. Easter egg. That was the annual Easter egg roll at the White House. Uh, America's, at- America's favorite senescent uncle. Okay, so Steve Moore... Uh, gave his take on the inflation numbers on Fox business. Our good friend, Steve, I think is accurate in that. I don't think people are feeling like this is good news. Uh, The 5.5 number. uh, When you say 5.5% inflation is good news, then you're not really winning. Uh, And also wages are slightly down. So it's getting even more difficult out there in the real world. 
So, yeah, it's um, it's, there's no good economic news out there. People are feeling it. I, I, I saw another. I, I saw another clip. Uh, almost played that in lieu of, uh, which said that more people are dipping into their retirement to help pay their kids off their, their kids' debt. Yeah, well, that's well. just speaking as somebody which is not smart speaking as somebody who has children with questionable work ethics um you know it it's a legit problem but it's not the kids problem it's the parents problem yeah 100 percent. okay uh senator manchin and his buddy his partner in crime over on the energy committee senator lisa murkowski from the great state of alaska uh i think she they tagged along a couple other senators as well. Who's that guy who doesn't speak from Arizona? Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly, man. Yeah, I think he was there too. Anyways, so apparently we're we're at war. Was that who that was? That was Mansion. That yeah, was Mansion. Yeah. Who are we at war with? Well, apparently we're at war. That's what he said. Did I miss something? We're was there do... some? Was there some declaration of war? Did I, did, I miss? I didn't see one, but apparently we're at war. Ah. The United States is at war. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to rewrite my monthly note. I missed that the other yeah. day. You know, he must that. been. He must have been just. Uh, you know, really involved in the in Easter and stuff. That's gonna be great. But did, did, you know it? It it. Well, we'll talk. Well, you know what? We might as well talk about this now. Sure, this, let's this, do it. This this leak thing, this breach, right? It was a 21 year old National Guardsman, Air National Guardsman, uh, which makes me ask two questions one about the substance of the stuff in the leak and then the second one is how the hell does a 21 year old part-timer um in the middle of nowhere massachusetts in the air force wind up with this information it it i've thought for a number of years that the united states military was a questionable organization i'm just starting to wonder if it's not just not good it's not period well i i um i i'm having trouble believing anything anymore you mean like you think it's not this guy no i i don't know what it is i don't know what it is but i have no faith in the 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 whole entire apparatus at this point like i don't know what what the intentions are maybe it's always been that way and i just sort of didn't you know yeah i've been in washington for 30 years yeah, but like you said, I mean, when the, when those guys run the show, like when we we're talking about the walk, the knock, the door knock for Taibi when when he was testifying, right? It's like government. The government can be remarkably competent when it wants to, and remarkably terrible when it wants to. And I don't know the I don't know how anybody squares it up. But the interesting thing about all of the the stuff that was leaked was, of course, that the Ukrainians are in a pretty bad spot, and. um and I'd like to ask this question to all my friends who are like, you know, we're going to do whatever we need to do to make sure that blah, 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 blah. What's your battle plan if Ukraine loses? What happens then? What's plan B? I know what my plan B is. My plan B is like, let's start to make peace now. But but, but everybody out there who's been like voting for money and all this other stuff and guys like Manchin, somebody should start asking them, what's your plan B in case things go bad here? Because what we learned in Afghanistan was there was no plan B. So anyway, that's a thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, that's a good point. And, and president Biden had sort of mostly been dodging the, uh, the question about, you know, the leak. And then he finally <laughs> did give up a little bit of information. Um, hold on. Let me play this clip. And we can talk about it. So I'm cons- I'm not concerned about the leak because well I'm concerned that it happened, but there's nothing contemporaneous that I'm aware of that is of great consequence. Where, where at this at the at this very same time his staff was trying to shut him up yeah I, I, which is I don't, a consistent and regular pattern yeah i don't uh, understand with this crew so. i understand what the hell he's talking about this at least some of it was about the ukrainian capabilities to withstand a spring offensive that's heading their way if that's not contemporaneous if that's not live i don't know what is well it's just pay no attention right just keep, yeah yeah it's exactly know, just stay focused on the drumbeat right 
Well, pay attention. I'm going to, I'm going to Ireland after the Easter egg roll. Just, just, <laughs> just shut up and shut up. And no, he was it. already there. He was already there. And by the way, um, there is a treasure tree. He gave a speech in front of the, whatever that thing is over there. What, what is, uh, it, it is a treasure trove of Bidenisms. We'll do a comp. We'll, we'll do a short compilation of them next week. Um, because are we going to talk more about this Ireland trip, or is this going to be my only chance? Can I just uh, say, well, let's do it. Let's do it later. Okay. Let's roll through the clips and, you know, stay on, stay on track here. Okay. So anyways, um, apparently speaking of, uh, I, the Irish trip, uh, apparently the oval office in the United States Capitol, Mike was designed by an Irishman and it's not a joke. It's not a joke. And I actually uh, did some research, and in fact, the president is right. The 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 designer of the and builder of the White House is a a man named James Hoban, an Irishman. So uh, he got that part right, but uh, I'm not sure that the Oval Office is in the United States Capitol. At least last time I checked, it wasn't. So yeah, and I don't want to be that guy, but the. Oval Office is a relatively recent addition to the White House. It was built in like <laughs> 1920 or 24 or something. So it's not, you know. So technically he's not right. Then. Yeah. But, but the, the, the White House itself was indeed designed, not a joke, by an Irish lad. So, yeah, I'm not sure I'd be all that proud of it. It's a great big, giant, empty shell of a building, but keep going. So Trump, uh, made some news or made some uh, comments about the, the, the mess of the pullout in Afghanistan. They left the dogs. They left the dogs. The yeah. dogs. They left the dogs. Yeah, the shepherds. The million or so allies. You love we dogs. Left. We love dogs. They left the dogs. The million or so allies we left behind. They're not important, but those dogs. Yeah, they're everybody That's likes the German shepherds. Said they left the dogs. And of course, <sighs> press secretary in waiting, Kirby, John Kirby, John Kirby uh, embarrassed himself pretty badly. Is in this thing. attempting to rewrite the pullout history. I, I was like, I was shocked because usually, you know, Kirby, the rep on Kirby is he's a pretty straight shooter, but that's just a flat out lie. What he coughed up there. I mean, you know, there's nobody and nobody in the room could like believe he was saying it either. People are like, are you out of your mind? Yes. You know, who are you going to believe guys, me and your lying eyes. I'm like, there are literally people hanging off planes. We literally, we literally have pictures of the Taliban. They lined up all the gear they took from us. Yeah. We literally have all that stuff. What the and hell they're using that? it. There have been I've seen uh, clips more recently where that they're they're actually improving their game militarily. I, you know, I I get it. You want to be an important man in Washington. I totally, totally, totally understand. You want to be a press secretary in the White House so you can spend the rest of your sad life having lunch with people and tell them boring ass stories about when you were in a white house. I get that. I, I really you, do. You, you got those, right? Yeah, have you started everybody. doing that yet? No. Or is it, as a statue, you still have to wait a little bit. I, I, you know, I promised myself I wouldn't be that guy, you know, <laughs> but that's what press secretaries live off of. Right. They just, they, they, they go to that. I get it totally, John, but God Lee, man, you don't have to embarrass yourself to do it. I mean, hell, they're giving the job away to people who can't do anything. Look at the look at the lady who's doing it now. Just yeah. stand in line long enough and you'll get it. I, I, yikes. I'm good with propaganda, but flat out lying kind of concerns me. And of course, uh, that uh, last clip was uh, a small snippet of one of the best dialogues in all of movie history a slice of uh philip seymour hoffman in charlie wilson's war and the reason that it has anything to do with afghanistan is because he was not sent to greece for the job he was promised he ended up sitting at the afghan desk and hopefully people don't know uh the history there with charlie wilson and afghan and the last time there was a major conflict in afghanistan back in the day so it, it, you just like to run the clip i get it i know <laughs> i spent the last three years learning finnish which got real handy here in virginia and who is this guy and i'm I never don't know who sick this, at sea i don't know who this guy is who's this guy charlie wilson's war fantastic film go watch it immediately if you have not and by the way this dates me 
When I first started on Capitol Hill, Charlie yeah. Wilson was in our hall. Sure. I, I, I ran across Charlie all the time. Man. And the, and the, uh, that was his last term. And that was my, my boss's first term, Mr. Richard Pont, chairman, uh, former resources chairman, Richard Pombo. The, the Charlie, the Charlie's angels thing is an absolute truth. There's no, there's, I saw it firsthand. I saw it firsthand. Here's, yeah. here's how old I am. Here's how old I am. Helen Bentley, um, for whom my dad was the LD, Helen Bentley beat Doc Long, who was the other congressman shown in that movie. Got it. If you remember that, Doc yes, Long. Was yes, I do. Yep. Yeah, Clarence Long, right? Yeah, she beat yep. she beat Doc Long in '84, right? So that's how that's how old I am. A new Doc, a, a new Doc. I ran across Charlie more than once. Anyway, all right. Well, announcements. Uh, like I said, just want to just want to welcome my uh, my my three nieces to the to the show, Graham, and um, hope everything goes well for them. So I'm going to welcome uh, Brian D. I'll leave it at that to the audience who apparently discovered us on an Easter road trip um, and texted me to say that he actually got like a few chuckles out of us. So uh, I guess we we, we, we make a couple <laughs> people laugh out there. So welcome, Brian. We might break news here and there um, on the show, on the program, but uh, but in, but mostly it's just for your listening pleasure. I want to say happy birthday to one of our loyal listeners, April Smith, who I bring up on the show quite regularly. I was going to say on the regular birthday, April, and also to uh, Peter Edward Rose Sr., born on this day in 1941, Charlie Hustle. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't join you with that. (laughs) So... He's a, Anyways, he, I know he's at a, least one of them is a longtime listener, and it's probably not Pete Rose. Let's hope not. If Pete Rose becomes a longtime listener, we're terminating the program, just so you know. All right. Uh, this day in history. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> There's only one thing that happened on this date in history. In 1865. Abraham Lincoln got shot to death <laughs> by John Wilkes Booth. We cannot get away from Honest Abe on this yeah. program. It's yeah. just weird. Especially since we were supposed to do this thing yesterday, so we could have skipped it then. Yep, absolutely. I will, I will point out he was shot um, He was shot while at the theater, right, Ford's Theater, which, by the way, if you ever come to D.C., go to Ford's Theater because the creepiness factor is very high. Um, yeah, and, he and be, he, he, yeah. they shuffled him across the street. Yeah, put, put him in a in a house. Yeah, you know people and people used to pay ten bucks to go see the look at the ha- pillow with the, blood the house on where it. Lincoln died. And I was just like, right. dude, he's still dead. So you know, there's no rush. Um, no, what I was gonna say, it was Good Friday. It was Good mm-hmm. Friday. What the hell was he doing in the What the hell was he doing in a the theater on Good Friday? He should have been at church. That's true. That's true. You, the chance of getting shot. There's just nothing you liked about that guy, is there? I'm just saying. I'm not saying he was a bad guy. I'm just like, what kind of guy goes to the theater on Good Friday? Mike, if you're listening, I, I we've tried to avoid the Lincoln thing, but it just keeps it. I can't, yeah, man. I can't ignore gotta, that day it's, in it's history. The, this is the only thing that happened today in history. Not, well, there's a few more. I'm going to rattle through. 1902. thought this was interesting. 1902? I don't know. Yeah. So American businessman J.C. Penney. Yeah, was opened born? his first Open dry store. goods store in Kemmerer, Wyoming. Yeah, man. And until 20 years ago, every town had a JC Penn. Absolutely. 1910, on this day in history, April 14th, 1910. Give me a hint. Uh, take me out to the ball game. The Cubs played their first game. Harry no, Carey sir. Was this born. was the first instance where a U.S. president threw out the first pitch. Really? William Howard Taft, 1910, tossed an opening day baseball to Walter Johnson, the Washington Senator's starting pitcher against the Philadelphia Athletics at National Park here in our nation's capital. Yeah, so I wonder where that the, was. He began the long uh, history, the long his tradition, tradition tradition of a u.s president throwing out the first pitch on opening day so and then i got two more and and one is do you, do you know anybody else who's thrown out an opening pitch at a baseball game i did yeah yeah man for triple rough a, riders right? the rough yep. riders yep. the rail riders scranton, rail, riders. rail rail riders yeah scranton wilkes bear uh the yankees affiliate that was kind that's, of fun 
That's pretty cool. A hundred percent. This was not a, such a nice event in history. This was in 1935. And this is known as Black Sunday. This Dude. is the, the, one me. of the most devastating dust storms during the Dust Bowl era. Uh, in Oklahoma and high winds picked up millions of tons of dirt and dust so dense and dark that some eyewitnesses believe the world was coming to an end. This also marks the day that the beginning of the era of paying farmers to either farm or in some cases not farm, which is also a tradition here in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, to round out this day in history and why I played the Charlie Wilson's War clip in the Afghan segment of the clips, 1988, sir. 1988 on this day. In 1988? Yep. No idea. The I Soviets should... agree to withdraw from Afghanistan. Oh, okay. So there you go. Uh, you know, that Charlie really? Wilson. 1988 is that long? Eight yep. and a half years. They were there. 1988. That's right. Yeah. Well. All right. Let's start the show, shall we? Sure. What What should we start with? Let's start with cars. What do you want to say about cars? What's better for us? The better choice is to move to electrified transportation because it is so much cheaper for you to operate an electric vehicle than it is to fill up your tank uh, with gasoline. So the Biden administration's EPA this week rolled out their ban the internal combustion engine plan. Yeah. U.S. Um, EPA administrator Re Re Regan. Is that Regan? How says it? Yeah, Regan. Regan. I assume that was that was Secretary Granholm we were just listening to. That was Secretary Jenny, correct? Yeah, I figured as much. You know, th these guys are kind of cutting their own throats. Uh, I'm I'm kind of entertained by it. Well, let's wait. Let me let me. Can we do context first? Sure. Okay. So I'm going to refer our listeners to the Wall Street Journal op-ed from Thursday from yesterday, and put it in the show notes. the The rule basically. Uh, would require would make the the uh, mile per gallon standard so high that uh, it would effectively force the auto companies to make more EVs to to meet the me the measure. Their goal is to have sixty, was it sixty one percent of uh, all automobiles to be electric by twenty what twenty thirty two twenty thirty I think so. 2030. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't actually read through the regulatory agenda, the sheet yet. So I'm not sure what, you know, what the exact precise numbers are, but I think it's somewhere between 57 and 62% by 2030. And yeah. then, uh, and they, I'm sure they referenced that specific number somewhere in the regulatory. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And Which they, is and crazy. They, they also defer, refer to other places doing it including uh, they made a big deal out of referencing Europe, uh, but they failed to mention that Europe is abandoning that deal uh, because of the backlash and also because of the enormous cost. So um, look, this is, I, I have three things to say about it. First, um, this is going to be a big, big test for the major questions doctrine that we've talked about in past shows, because you're talking about using a rule to, just like the the result of the uh, West Virginia versus EPA, you can't use a rule to fundamentally change a market, right? Congress yeah. has to make those decisions. So, but I say that we shouldn't just sit around and wait for that that to happen because this would be like a Matt's rule all over again, right? But by the time it gets to the point where the Supreme Court makes a decision about this, whether to throw this rule out. The, the auto companies themselves are going to probably be making, you know, decisions to try to meet these, these goals or whatever. And they'll basically say, well, we, you know, we effectively achieved what we wanted to because now the industry is complying. So, uh, you know, that, that is a big fear of mine of us kind of sitting around on our hands and like, you know, waiting for the Supreme court to make a decision about whether to toss this rule the other thing is these guys have given us 
much like the gas stove they have given now now it is live right now it is live it is yeah. a decision a choice uh between industrial policy china style industrial policy and allowing consumers motorists to make their own choices so now now that, that it is live i think we're we're going to see a lot more activity uh in, in this issue yeah i mean it's um and that's where I was going right with with uh, Secretary Granholm being a uh, not terribly bright on this. The administration hasn't been bright on it either. Um, the more they talk about this, the function of this is to electrify the fleet. The more it becomes obvious that it's that it's way out of boundaries, way out of the bounds of the of the rule and the underlying law. And by the way, there's no underlying law that tolerates this. You know, this is all constructed on EPA's ability to regulate greenhouse gases. I think the um, I think the other side has kind of made a mistake here. I think they're gonna they're gonna um, they're gonna light up everybody who's not already in the problem, right? They're gonna light up everybody on our side. Um, that's thing one. Thing two is they're gonna put the courts in a situation where they're gonna have to give a preliminary injunction as soon as the rule goes final. Um, bang, you're gonna wind up with a preliminary injunction on it. I think, um, and they're gonna wind up losing. Right, because if the major questions doctor means anything, you see, I I disagree with one thing you said. You said it's a major test. I'm like, this is the easiest possible thing to tuck under the major questions doctrine. If Congress intended the entire automobile industry of the United States to change, it probably would have said something. And you know what? It would have said something as recently as the Inflation Reduction Act, and it didn't. So, I think, I think we're live. I think the um, there's no question the courts are going to rule the right way. I'm with you. I'm a little concerned about the timing of all of this. Um, I'm a little concerned too, and this this is you know this is a background music, but I'm a little concerned about this too. The Republicans haven't introduced anything to claw back any part of the Inflation Reduction Act. That's correct. And I'm getting I, nervous about that. And I, I, heard, I heard some stuff that earlier in the week from some staff that gives me pause just to think that they're actually going to try. So. Yeah, I don't think they're going to try. I don't think they're going to try. I think it's, um, if I were a member of, if I was, a, if I were a member of Congress, I would solve the domestic content question right now. I would go in and blow up the tax credits for EVs. I'd be like, look, you know, Chuck Grassley articulated something on, on ethanol like 20 years ago. Now, of course, he went back. He violated it instantly, almost as soon as he articulated it. But he's like, look, you can have a tax credit. You can have the rule. You can't have both. I think we should be yeah, the same. Well, I think we should them, be the same. They've got, they've got everything lined up to, to just try to force this. Even the auto companies who I have no sympathy for. I don't even like the auto even companies. Even the auto companies said, and I quote, EPA's proposed emissions plan is aggressive by any measure. This requires a massive 100-year change to the U.S. industrial base and the way Americans drive. Uh, that was an automaker lobbyist. Um, yeah, I'm going to say this as nicely as I can because I'm I'm that kind of guy. It's a little bit like the prostitute complaining she's not getting paid enough. I mean, guys, you've already sold yourself. You know, just 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 be lucky that John isn't beating you up on the way out the door. Um, it, it, all right it, i mean it, it's you know seriously you, you can't you can't literally a year ago they were talking about if you give us enough money we'll, well do it not only that but they've they actually helped them you know swap back lawsuits from state attorneys general yes yes who, I mean, it, who were opposing yeah guys this, this stuff, is right? this is they what, actually helped the biden administration get to where we are today that's right this is what you agreed to this is what you got paid for now just shut up and do what we tell you to do. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why they could have the right to say anything in the public arena on this. Anyway, um, I'm a little concerned that we're almost well. We're we're three months into a Republican um, House control, Republican control of the House. And nobody has talked about clawing back any of this stuff, not the CARES Act, not the American Rescue Plan, not the Inflation Reduction Act. And now we're at a moment where it actually matters. We're not just spitting money out of the federal government. Now we're actually going to do something that's going to damage American consumers. 
and nobody on the Republican side is talking about it. Yeah. So, you know, she, she says it's so much cheaper uh, to so, manage an electric vehicle. Great. It's not even remotely true. That is a lie. Um, it's not propaganda. It's a lie. It I'll, costs 60 plus thousand dollars on average for an electric vehicle. It is um, a $20,000 uh, battery replacement uh, I, investment. I, the it, it, Okay. Somebody crunched the numbers on the F-150 Lightning, which by the way, production was halted because they have a problem with the battery which is it costs like 51 bucks to charge to go 227 miles. A gas powered F-150 goes 483 miles on a full tank, even at $5 a gallon, that's 115 bucks. It takes 30 minutes to charge one of these things and five to fill it up. And this is what, this is what they want us to switch to. Like they think no, that, I, that we're dumb, right? I, I, I look, I think it's great. I, I agree with her totally. It's cheaper. It's a better product. In that case, we don't need the tax credits then. 100%. If right. that's what you really believe, then you should be with me on getting rid of the tax credits, right. Mrs. Which Secretary. Is, which is absolutely what what um, we talked about with with GM when they came in and said, okay, we're going right. to buy in on all this. We're gonna all in on this. This is the future. Okay. Well, then you were in agreement with us that you see something in the market that would lead you to make a business decision to, to totally fundamentally change who, you know, the types of vehicles you buy. I'm going to go back to this point. This is about them wanting fewer cars available to be purchased, right? This is about the progressives and the left wanting us to get out of our cars and into their mass transit schemes and their, and their high-speed rail dreams and everything else. Because the, the practic practicality of this is with the availability of minerals right now, you can't even meet those, those targets. That's right. Even if you went all in on it. So that means less vehicles that are available to purchase, which means supply and demand means the people who can afford them are the ones who are going to buy them. That this is about getting people out of cars completely, period, end of story. Yeah, so. I was hesitant to believe that. But the numbers drive you there. You know, like you say, there's no way that you can imagine a world uh, that we live in now that that we're going to have enough, just forget everything else, we're going to have enough lithium right. to to do anything other than, than um, you know, construct a couple hundred million cars. That's it. That's what we're going to have. And, you know, there's, there's 300 and 300 million cars and trucks right now in the United States. So I'm talking about, you know, nationwide, uh, worldwide. It's, it's the we, math just becomes overwhelming. At a certain point, you have to conclude this is an intentional thing, not an accidental thing. We will be talking a lot about this. I hope uh, so. We have been talking a lot about it. We will continue to. So I want to move on. I got one more energy deal. Um, yeah. This is from our friend Ari at Bloomberg. Sue and this is my title. Sue and settle strikes again. The Energy Department is requiring a proposed Alaska LNG product to certify that no carbon dioxide is released into the atmosphere when producing gas for export as part of an amendment, um, sorry, as part of an amended order in response to a challenge to the project by the Sierra Club. I'm sorry, who's requiring this? The Energy Department is requiring that this this project in Alaska, this LNG project, which would be 929 billion cubic feet per year uh, of natural gas by vessel, to, to certify that no CO2 is released in the atmosphere when producing gas for export. So Sierra Club sues, the administration, oh gosh, yeah, right, no, we're gonna settle, we're gonna settle this. We, yeah, we actually agree that that we're going to add that little, we're going to tack that on. So go back to what we said about Willow and how they locked up the state of West Virginia in the same area to make it off limits for oil production. This is the same exact thing. You, you're going to make these, you're going to, in a settlement with the Sierra Club, you're basically doing exactly what the administration wanted to do, was happy to do, but they call it a settlement. 
I got to be honest with you. I don't, I never really cared about Sue and Settle because, like you say, this is all stuff the administ any administration can do all by itself. I don't, you know, I don't, I've never figured out why everybody got all upset about it because I'm just like, dude, they're just going to do it. They were going to do it anyway. They did it. That's it. We'll say one thing the Department of Energy doesn't actually have that authority. They can't condition the FTA approval, the approval of an FTA or non FTA approval on that, right? That's a FERC decision. So I wonder uh, how that worked. So, so they, they just, they can say yay or nay is what you're saying. They can't, they can't do conditions. Yeah, that's my understanding. That's the national it, interest. That's right. Yeah, national yeah. interest determination. They don't. Okay. They don't get in the middle of it. I. I don't want to say Ari made a mistake. I'm sure he's right. I just don't. There's some detail in there. There's some fidget that's not happy. I'm sure. Well, here's a energy department says in April 13th order. So I can send you the order, and I'll put this link in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, environmental impacts from project are not sufficient enough to alter its 2020 decision to authorize LNG exports to natural gas, but. Uh, they did agree to, to put these conditions on. So take a look at the order. And, you know, we'll. we'll uh, it's not a good precedent. Yeah, I'd like to follow. take a look at the order. Yeah. That's, all right, that's all I have in the energy front. Anything from you? Well, that's enough bad news for one week, I think. <laughs> all right. I got a little sports. Really? Yeah. I got a little sports. So uh, you, you, you've seen that the Tampa Bay Rays now have won 13 consecutive. Uh, uh, baseball games they're 13 and 0 which ties the record the modern record last i tuned in it was only 11 so yeah i wondered about that so uh just for some context um the rays have matched the 82 rays and the 87 brewers for the longest winning streak in the modern era the actual longest streak was 20 and 0 the 1884 st louis maroons Okay. Um, anyhow, so they've been kicking butt uh, up and down the field. Uh, they're 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 leading in all kinds of statistics, but I just want to point out that the it is a, it's impressive. Don't get me wrong. At this point, I think if the Rays go 500 for the rest of the season, they're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot, right? I mean, that puts them in what 85, 80, 88, 89 range. 90, 90 wins. 90 so, wins and 72 losses. Doesn't hurt to go 13 and 0 at the beginning of the season. But I will point out they played the Tigers, the Nationals, the A's, and the Red Sox. So those were the four series that they've played so far. Now they're right. playing the Blue, starting to play. Now they're playing the Blue Jays, I think, tonight or tomorrow night. So probably tonight is Friday. So, I, I thought the Red Sox were supposed to be okay. No. They're in last place again. Now they didn't do anything in the off season. Red Sox. They didn't do anything in the off season, and they're in, they're in last place. That's unfortunate. But you know, I enjoyed something. I enjoyed hearing the Red Sox are in last place so much. Let's just say it one more time. I'm sorry. What place are the Red Sox? <laughs> they're in last place in the AL East. <laughs> oh, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah. All right, I have a I have another one. And by the way, this is no. We're not talking Yankees today. So, so this is from New York Times. Dan Snyder. Yay! To sell the Washington Commanders, forget this, six billion with a B, six billion dollars. Yeah, to the team's on track to be sold for a record figure to a group led by Josh Harris, as investigations into blah 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 and team's finances continue. Dan Snyder has got to be the luckiest loser on the face of the planet Earth. I mean, he is literally just, I mean, I've never been a Redskins slash Commanders fan, so uh, I don't care. Uh, but I know how fanatic the hog, you know, the hog fans were. Uh, he's got to be like the one of the, like he has got to have basically ruined a franchise. And yet he's going to be rewarded to the tune of $6 billion. He purchased the team in 1999 for, for $800 That's a pretty nice profit. And so 20 is that 20, 25 years ago, let's say. Yeah. So the inflation's about 50%. So he really bought it for about 1.2, 1.3. So his net net is like his five X. That's pretty good. It's not a bad, that's not a bad investment. I, I, the thing is, you tell me if I'm wrong here. I don't understand what makes the Redskins worth $6 billion. Yeah, no, I have no clue. I, I mean, they have what, whatsoever, you know, the TV money is good, but not great. And most of it flows to the players. Tickets are good, not great, and, and 
DC. I mean, there's no way you can construct a world in which that franchise is worth $6 billion. It does not generate enough cash to be worth $6 billion. I don't, there's some enormous, Hey, I own a football team premium on that. Right. And, yeah. and that, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. So I, I just want to understand why and how Magic Johnson keeps getting roped into all these deals. Was so he, the, is he the in this group, deal? Yeah, like the group was is led by this really rich dude who's, I guess, from, from Bethesda. Um, and it says, Harris's group includes Mit, Mitchell Rails, a billionaire from the Washington, D.C. area, and a group of limited partners that includes Magic Johnson. He's like, he's always got the Dodgers. He had the Lake, like the Lakers. What else is he? You know what goes on with that, right? I mean, he's a good, first off, he's a good businessman. Yeah, yeah. I'm not taking anything away from him. No, no, I know, I know. He's a good businessman and he's, um, he's a great face of the franchise, right? Nobody, nobody's ever unhappy to see Magic Johnson, right? Because he, because he's just, seems like a very happy guy. Yeah. So, he's managed to parlay that and some basketball skill and the, you know, he must be worth a couple of billion dollars by now. Like you say, he's in every damn deal. Yeah. So Harris beat out Tillman for Tita, for Tita, for Tita, the owner of the Houston Rockets of the NBA who reportedly bid 5.6. So congratulations, I guess, Dan Schneider for destroying a football franchise and still, you know, getting a, getting a nice payday out of it. You know, it, Look, it's like the dude with the Mets, right? Um, oh, yeah, rich, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Steve Cohen, right? These yeah, rich Cohen. guys, these rich guys. Hey, we're going to buy a team. It's and just it's a toy, be right? Just overpay. I, I, here's, here's the difference. Right? Here's the difference. Here, here's the difference in the, in the, in the, in the metrics. Steve Cohen is worth $10 billion, right? The Mets, the Mets payroll is worth like 230 or 240 million, something like that. Yeah. You know, paying and paying a player another ten million bucks for a guy like Cohn, it it's a rounding error. The, the 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 luxury tax. He's like, who could possibly care? I well, can't. Now spe- they're calling it the Cohen tax. I should. So. Like you know, a guy like him, he can't spend ten billion dollars in the course of his life. You know, he's already sixty years old. It's like, dude, I'm not spending ten billion dollars in my last twenty years. Can't. So, I. I said this in a different podcast. Oh, which I should have mentioned during our announcements. I said this in a different podcast last week. I'll say it here. America is a fantastically stupidly rich country. And so we do stupid things like paying $6 billion for football teams. Okay. Um, I'm done with sports. Got anything? I just want to do, let me go back and announce. I, I was a guest on the power hour at the heritage foundation, which posted up. I think you mentioned that last yesterday. Week. Yeah, I finally posted up yesterday right. or day before. I think I Alex said it. producer put that in the show notes for our listeners. Yeah, if you I don't think- get enough of Mike McKenna here on the Unregulated Podcast, you can listen to him with our friends at Heritage. Like I said, they were they were more unstructured than us, if that's humanly possible. Um, hey, I, we I always take offense to that. I work hard on putting this show together. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I all mean, right. So it, I got a little politics for you. Uh, Mitch, as, Mitch is back, baby. Yeah. After a five-week hiatus, recovering from his concussion, uh, Mitch tweeted, uh, "I'm looking forward to returning to the Senate on Monday. We've got important business to tackle and big fights to win for Kentuckians and the American people." So, yeah. Yeah. Mitch um, was gone five weeks. He's back. Apparently, uh, Senator uh, Democratic Senator John Fetterman will be rejoining the institution after being institutionalized for a little while. Uh, and and then this leads to my other political story. Uh, people are picking on poor Diane Feinstein these days. Have you seen the? Have you yeah, seen the yeah, out? yeah. So um, Don, Senator Feinstein is absent, uh, and she's recovering from about with shingles uh and she's now been called out by carnival barker and uh former obama speechwriter john lovett on his rival podcast pod save america and then ro Khanna, congressman ro Khanna just tweeted yesterday it's time for senator feinstein to resign 
we need to put the country ahead of personal loyalty. While she has had a lifetime of public service, it is obvious she can no longer fulfill her duties. And well, she's had a lifetime of public service. The hell with her. Yeah. It's time. It's time. You know, we time to time to time to shoot the old lady and move on to the next problem. Yeah, I. I, I Progressives are in a hurry, man. They just they can't wait bro. around for all these people to to kind of wash out of the bro, system. That's bro, that's what's going on. So. Rokan is a terrible, terrible person. I mean. I, I could say I could see saying that to a friend of yours, like, "Hey, man, it's probably time to think about, like, you know." But, but to tweet it out, what's wrong with him? Seriously, get some respect for your elders, man. Um, so this is there's more going on here, though, right? Of course, there's a lot going uh, on. There's a lot of the subtext here is, is that there's a war in California for the next generation of you know the the yeah. Pelosi San Francisco wing. They want Adam Schiff. They want to, they want the, you know, they want the Pelosi wing of the party to continue to dominate. Um, and the Katie Porters and Ro Khanna's of the world uh, uh, are, are not, are not uh, in that camp. And so they want to basically like, you know, kind of overtake, get rid of the Pelosi yeah. dynasty. So. And, and the problem is, and the problem is, is that Senator Feinstein sits, she's the ranking on judiciary. So as long as she's gone, Judiciary Committee, the Senate Judiciary Committee can't do anything. So she sent it. God almighty. This is two, two observations before I finish this story, because it's relevant, right? This is the kind of thing that happens when you have a Senate full of 70 and 80 year olds. Nobody's ever going to be right. well all at the right. same time. Right. The, the Senate is 51, 49, but at any given the Senate right Day, now, it's going to be like two or three of these folks are going to be either recovering from a hip replacement surgery or, you know, shingles yeah. or you name well, it. Well, right? right now, the Senate right now, at this moment, actual senators on premises, there's 49 Democrats and 48 Republicans. And, you know, even when even when. McConnell comes back and Feinstein comes back. I guarantee somebody else is going to rotate out. Pat Leahy didn't exist there for the last year and a half. He was there yeah. last, last session, last Congress. Anyway, Feinstein's ranking. She sent Schumer a note and said, Hey, appoint somebody in my place. Whoa. Well, you know, have somebody take care of my stuff until I get back. Can't yeah, this happen. is for the Judiciary Committee. And the reason is, is because can't they happen. can't push out any of Joe Biden's judicial nominees, nominees especially the hardcore lefties because the uh, ties ties lose right and then they got to right. burn ties lose floor time that's right you got to burn 30 hours of floor time that you don't have to but the thing is is that you can't just appoint another democrat as the ranking because that was set up at the beginning of congress beginning in this congress yes. by a senate resolution you need 60 votes you need 60 there's no the, way the dems are get... hoping and counting on the republicans no too. way not you know no make a big way. stink about it no but you got way. josh holly you got you know mike lee you got ted cruz i mean there there's is no the, way the other the but the problem with that of course is is then then it's they're going to try to turn up the noise on on getting her to retire right so, so what in a bit of they're going to here's here's a news flash girls and boys and all united states senate staff who listen to the program i know there are at least a couple of you um they're going to turn up that noise anyway. They just need an excuse to do it, right? They don't need an excuse to do it. Rokana just did it. Right. This is this is how it's going to be. The only the only mathematics that are going on now inside the heads of the California Democrats is who does Diane Feinstein hanging on help the most? And um, is Gavin Newsom going to really, really, really want to make an appointment now when he's thinking about running for president? And I'll tell you right now, the answer to that has got to be no. Gavin yeah. Newsom's like, please don't make me pick a side here. Yeah, because, uh, well, he promised he would choose an African-American woman. Which Barbara, he's thinking guess, Barbara Lee. That, right. can't, be so, the right, that can't be the right answer. Well, that's who the that's who the Rokanas of the world are rallying around. And the, that, Barbara Lee is like. Right. She's less of a, she's she is less of a presence if it's humanly possible than the other senator from California, which I know you know because you're a Californian, but 
I'd win a lot of bets if I bet everybody a hundred bucks on name me the second senator from California. Do you know who the second senator from California is? Padilla. Yeah, you, but but again, you're Californian. Well, I hope uh, you know. I hope I know. But I mean, I hope I, can, I know who the senator is. So. I Otherwise, I gotta quit my job. I think. But, Although I can't name a whole bunch of House members these days. So, but but you know what I'm saying. I mean, if I walked yeah. around asking people, "Hey, name me the two senators from California," you'd get a lot of. Huh? Uh, yeah. Diane Feinstein and uh, that other guy. Yeah. Uh, well, this will be um, this will continue, and and the the worst part is is that both lanes, both sort of wings are no are are not yeah. good for the state of California. Yeah, it's, like, it's it's not like one's better than the other, right? It's like <laughs> it's, holy crap! It's the so. most it's the most ridiculous. I love it when like Diane Feinstein's you know identified as a moderate. I'm like right. In, in what planet is she a moderate? Exactly. Uh, speaking uh, of planets uh, and moderates and red versus blue and all that good stuff, one more, one more on the political side. This is from Fox News on Monday. Louisiana party switching continues. Dems were dealt another blow from within their own ranks this week as yet another state lawmaker declared he was leaving the party. According to a Monday report by The Advocate, a Louisiana-based newspaper rep, state rep Jeremy Lacombe announced he had left the Democratic Party and would be registered as Republican, which um, follows on the footsteps last month of Rep. Francis Thompson, who gave the Republicans in the state house a supermajority after he switched his party affiliation. And as our listeners recall, this is uh, uh, off of the uh, news last week of a North Carolina party switch, which gave the Republicans a supermajority in the state of North Carolina. So my theory of red being redder and blue being bluer is still intact here. Uh, the states are hardening. The divide is getting sharper. Uh, it's, it's not, there's not, there's not, there's not a lot of purple out there in, in the, in the, in the electoral calendar, any uh, electoral uh, map any longer. That's okay. You know, I, I, I mean, if you believe in democracy, you gotta believe that that's okay. Yeah, I mean, as I, long I keep, as you live in a red state. Well, I just I keep I keep hearing about all these threats to democracy. I'm like, you yeah. know, did, did, you know, setting out some kind of prescription about who can do what seems to me to be a threat to democracy. All right, well, let's wrap it up with President Biden in his rousing clothes to his, I don't know what you called that speech, the other day. Um, here it is. So thank you all. God bless you all. Let's go. Let's go lick, lick the world. Let's get it done. Let's go lick the world. Let's get it done. This episode of the Unregulated <laughs> Podcast is also done in the books. Until next time, listeners. May the road rise to meet you. <laughs> <laughs>